Hello, world. Hello, y'all. And what? (laughs) (laughs) Accept me for who I am. I will not. (laughs) Welcome to our latest episode of Hello and Adieu. Yes. Yes. We, Mathis is snapping. He's Mm. from Texas and he is snapping. Mathis, what do we talk about today? I'm snapping Texan. We talked about a bunch of great content. If I do say so myself, we talked about and that's a not hilarious... sarcastic. It came out sarcastic. Oh, should I it should wasn't... I redo it? No, it's good. I'm just <laughs> okay. I'm saying it. it sounded sarcastic. Yeah, good thing you're here to back me up and say when it's right and when it's wrong. Right, which plays into our topic. Keep going. <laughs> we <clears throat> talked about a hilarious Olympic story with uh, Ryan Lochte involved. If you haven't heard it, it's unbelievable. Lochtegate. Hashtag Lochtegate. Hashtag Lochtegate. We also have a really uh, interesting conversation about the like philosophical. It's a would you rather hypothetical would you rather moment? Yeah, a would you rather conversation that revolves around fires and pets and humans. And I know you guys are already excited. You already skipped forward and listened to it. You're not even listening to the I, rest of this. I skip forward right now. Oh. Yep, I just skip forward. Oh my god, come back! <laughs> nope, I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm gone. I'm gone. Uh, our movie this week was Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. So we do a little back and forth about that, some discussions about the themes and the content of it and give our review of it. It's good. This is one to tune into. The, it's it's the good review, stuff. The movie review one, because we talked a lot, not even so much about the movie, but then like on a greater scale. Which is what themes. movies are supposed to do. So good right? job. Good job, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. You are a good movie. And then we close out the episode with a conversation about truth and advice and who you are in a person's life and how you're able to, who and how you are able to talk to people about truth and about that advice and where you're coming from and what you're doing and all the different ways that you talk about uh, arguments and where truth comes from and credibility and uh, it's hard to sum up. We get up. down to science, yo. Science? Not really. <laughs> we talk about Wikipedia. No. Yeah, ignore him. <laughs> ignore him. Anyways, uh, that's basically what this episode's about, if that makes any right. sense to you. Nope. But you can hit us up at our email at hellonadu.gmail.com, H-E-L-L-O-A-N-D-A-D-I-U-gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, hellonadu, You're going to want to do always, that this week. Rate, subscribe, review on iTunes, because iTunes is cool and people can find us there. So enjoy. Yes. Well, hello, John. How are you doing? Hello, Mathis. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. As good as I can be. It's okay. been a really, uh, yeah, I just, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. It's over. Yeah, I guess we're okay. We can uh, check out now. Yeah. I'm good. I've had a very, very busy week. Eventful with, uh, week. <laughs> our film. Yeah, very eventful week. Uh-huh. I I talked a lot about it last episode, so right. I won't go into uh, extreme details, but I'm very busy with that right now, and I'm leaving in two days from when this episode or three days from when this episode uh, comes out. That's so crazy. Um, yeah. We're going to try to do an episode while I'm there. The <coughs> uh, <and> just <coughs> crackly over here. We're going to try to do an episode while I'm there. Just like you were in uh, Spain when we did an episode. So that'll be a, uh, I'm super excited. It'll be fun. Yeah. So I will be reporting further. Mathis in the field from, reporting from yeah, Mexico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll have a, a lot more to say about the film, though, after we wrap, and good can bring some cool stories back to the podcast. What did what have you been up to uh, this in, week? In this whole life of yours, yep. Well, school started this week, Mathis. I am back yeah. at it. And Finally, a busy man again. I'm a busy man. Kids, I work in a school, um, and <laughs> this just in case people don't know, I work in a school. That's true. Students came on Wednesday. On Wednesday. I got a mouth or a hand in the mouth and now I'm sick. <laughs> so it, a kid stuck his hand in your mouth. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I work with low functioning autism students. So there, a lot of them are nonverbal 
everything's always flailing around and i got a hand in the mouth and i was like oh, okay okay um and usually it's so did, fine i've gotten hands in the mouth just before stuff it in there like no but you know they go for like hugs or something and yeah then it just like ends up in your mouth and it's like oh, oh my god well maybe it's because you haven't been at school for like three months now so your system was like i'm glad that's over i know hopefully wasn't. this is the only time i'll get si- <coughs> yeah, excuse me the only time i'll get sick so if you hear me snuffling over here it's because uh i can't believe you just did that i can't either that's so gross <laughs> totally torturing the listeners right now if you hear uh. me just snotting just like this over here <laughs> you know what's happening i'm not emotional i'm just exactly but it's been a busy week so that's about it that's also pretty eventful inside of your body at least I, I know they're all it's like osmosis jones in here i uh, love that movie i do too i need to it's watch it again. a good one a few big things happened this week in uh the movie world well well tell me about them i think i have a sw- a slight outsider's perspective this week just because i wasn't fully uh engulfed in it so well first thing is mission impossible did you see this no mission impossible 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 <laughs> pre-production halted because every actor wants more money. Oh, I saw this. This is like a peripheral headline for me. I saw something about <clears throat> Tom Cruise being upset. That That's what it is. They all want more money, which I can't this, blame them, but I'm sure they're making enough. It's like, what, the seventh one? By now, they're probably all doing pretty yeah. well. Like, no, I'm sure they're making great money, but... It's kind of like with like... happens. The, when Friends was really big, they all went for like that's one right. million an episode. Same with Big that's Bang. Right. It just happened. So I get it. I think it's a bit selfish, but I get it. Uh, it's it's so weird because like in that world, if they have the confidence to to like know that they're worth more money, then of course they're going to speak up. But then at the same time, you know, you take this this step back and you're like, why are they worth that much money? Like that's exactly. crazy. I wonder if they like but, are in a group text together and they're like, okay, guys, let's meet at the Chili's and we are going to figure out our plan to ask for right. more money. Because you know they, they all have like to a, do it, and if one person no, Fs do, it up, yeah. then they it's all screwed. They all sit down breakfast club style and write one letter, exactly. and they just give it. <laughs> and they walk in holding sense. hands, and we're like, we want more money. They just go like full protest, and it's just like these seven actors standing in a room with like banners, and half of them are naked, and they have like spray paint on their bodies. They like, should record it, because it'd be so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the best. Um, the last piece was that Okay, it gets a little confusing because they partially confirmed that Zendaya Williams was going to play Mary Jane Watson in the new Spider-Man. However, oh, that's right. in at Comic-Con, they had said that she was playing Michelle Gonzalez. Now they're saying that it may be Mary, she may be Mary Jane, which I don't really care one way or another. We've seen Mary Jane 11,000 times by now. so Well, she's, she's the only girl that matters in his life at the end of life you know, the whole series so it's it makes sense so it, it makes sense yeah you really can't do it without her and that, i think that is it, that was their argument too is they want as many people to see it as possible so if mary jane watson's yeah. in it people are going to want to go instead of you know spider-man and michelle gonzalez because i don't know who michelle gonzalez is it, is. Gon- is it gonzalez with a j no it's a g because because then it could be mj but <gasps> michelle gonzalez I have to probably be like John Zolis. Well, and Michelle Gonzalez is actually a character in the... Oh, it is? Yeah, she was like a person. I don't remember. I watched the video, but I forgot. She's like a person or something. I don't care. But that's all the movie news I have. Why don't you um, tell us about the Olympic story that's been going around? Okay. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but I heard about it a few days ago. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. It was like hashtag Loctigate. And I was, because <laughs> it's so silly. I clicked on it. And so if you guys, <laughs> if you guys haven't heard, Ryan Lochte, he's a swimmer. He's probably like the second most famous male swimmer um, in regards to like social media and like visual knowing um, besides Michael Phelps. He had a E show for a while. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. It got canceled. <laughs> um, and so there was. It came out several days ago. Uh, Ryan Lochte and three other swimmers got robbed at gunpoint at a gas station. It was going around and people were like, oh no, Rio's not safe, blah, blah, blah. And then it came out even more recently that they were lying because a video came out showing actually the swimmers 
I don't know which one. I don't know if it was all of them or one of them. They were actually vandalizing this gas station that they were at. Um, they were all super drunk. Then they went away. And I also read in the story that maybe the security guard pulled a gun on them, but that was not confirmed. Oh, so wow. they may have been telling, cause Ryan Lochte has said that someone pulled out a gun and put the gun to his head. So like it was very specific and like he talked about it. I mean, he talked about it in the, I don't know, somewhere where it got out. And so Ryan Lochte had already gone back to the U S by the time this video came out, two of the swimmers were on a plane to get back to the U S and the people in Brazil took them off the plane (laughs) to question them. They literally took them off the plane to question them. And here's the thing. They, I think what it was is they vandalized one sign and they probably, they broke it or I don't know. And at that night they gave the gas station, uh, owner money and he wasn't going to press charges. Oh, so, um, really in my mind, it's like, okay, they gave up money. It's fine. He's not pressing charges. It's fine. So why are they making it such a big deal? And I think it's cause he lied. You know, he made up this huge Which thing. One, Ryan? Well, yeah, I mean, all of them, I guess saying that they were robbed at gunpoint because that's a huge thing to say yeah um and granted they were they were super drunk so maybe they didn't remember and so they just made up this story i'm not sure but it's crazy the olympics are crazy this all just goes to show like even i don't know which party is lying i don't know what's justified but you do not mess around when you travel overseas like you have to you cannot, you cannot, even if you're like, well, we're Olympians, we're going to go vandalize right. the sign, and then we can just like, ah, oh, we shouldn't have done that, let's pay the guy back. Like, I mean, even then, even if everything's like cool, if he's not pressing charges, if you guys are okay to go, like, you you just can't, because then, then stuff like this happens. I wonder like, if it was like an entitlement thing, you know, they're just like, we're Olympians, bitches. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> Ripping stuff down. But I mean, even then, it's like, how how famous is a olympian you know like yeah he him and michael phelps no they have a lot of sponsorships though so they probably have more money than most of the swimmers but and he had that e-show and it was so bad so bad like i didn't even watch it but if you just youtube ryan lochte's Uh i don't remember what it was called it is so he's so dumb (laughs) like (laughs) like and maybe that was just how they edited the show, but he came across not smarter than a seagull. I'm serious. Like his, his like catchphrase was yeah. It was like, yeah, but with a J. So he'd be like, yeah, that's so <laughs> yeah. bad. Like you're and then just whatever not, that laugh was, you're starting off on a bad foot with that. Just like, and I'll say, yeah, whenever I'm really excited about something, there's a lot of gifts. If you look them up with him, just going, yeah. <gasps> oh, you, you use one of those gifts. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> i think i did it to I, you i once. know i know who we're talking about now yeah quick philosophical question for you give it to me your apartment complex is burning down okay and there you're on your way out and you you can only rescue one of two items beings oh. they're not people they're it's objects one of, the, one of them is a stranger and one of them is your personal pet like a pet that is close to you so and i can only only save one one on your way out what do you do i feel like you have to choose the human exactly and that (laughs) this goes into profound though like it is hopefully that never happens but it's that that is that's one thing where i feel like we always have to choose humans because sometimes when i see Mm -hmm. like just recently i saw a bumper sticker where it says like adopt a cat or kept adopt a dog and my first thought is like why are we not doing stuff for adopting children without homes before Ooh. animals? Snap. You know, You're so thank right. you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Nobody. The thing is, is that if you put adopt a kid on your car, it would be such a, it's so personal. It like, is. People would be like, stop telling me what to do. You know, it's like, sad that that's are where you, our, are you saying our, you're yeah. better than me? And it's like, well, I'm not saying I'm better than you, but we all need to step up. Like we have so many that kids that need homes. Truth. And exactly. that, need just, that is a hard truth. And so I get very then, frustrated with even commercials when like that Sarah McLaughlin commercial comes on. I'm like, ugh. we cannot care about, th- I mean, yes, animals are important and we've talked about animal souls before. I don't know if there's something more right. to them, but the thing is in our world, humans are more cognitively advanced. We, for, you know, we just, we have to 
help our own and we don't do that yeah yeah and like you said we do talk about the the animals and the nature and like all that connectivity to life in general but i do believe that humans are for sure a higher being than everything else like we we are of some we are of some much higher caliber and the reason why that that question is profound like you were saying sometimes the the no matter what the human comes first and it's such a it's such an interesting circumstance because that person could be a criminal you could never see that person again in your life that person could betray you one day right and no matter what you have to save the person you and, do and you might have had that pet for 13 years it might be as close to you as as a person is but like it's such a it's such a hard truth that that the the pet always has to be left behind. It's so if you have to choose I, one, yep. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. It was just so interesting to me. I was like, no matter what happens, you always have to choose the person. It's it sucks. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of a lot of times pets are we have a closer relationship to pets than we do with real people. So I think that's kind of where the dilemma is. Exactly is when is you know dilemma. your dog. You don't you don't have anyone in your family you're closer to than your dog, so it's like I would save the dog over someone else in my family because that's who I care about more, and so I kind of right. get I get that argument as well. But at the same time, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Well, I think this also this plays really not heavily. I won't say heavily, but it it plays uh, a little bit into. You know how you know how like a lot of people will watch a movie and they're like, I was fine with the people getting killed, but then they shot the yes. horse and I was really angry. Honestly, that's and when I'm watching movies, I feel more for the animals, and I don't, I, I don't know why, but I do. Probably because yeah. they're helpless. Anyway, but sorry. also I think that we're to some degree we must be desensitized to human suffering. I think. Um, I think you hit it right on the head there. I think because like uh, everyone knows that kids need to be adopted, like you were saying but they're they're really not handled for and i think that the the connectivity of the world right now like the as far as as media has come and as far as travel has come like we've seen everything nothing surprises us anymore we don't we don't go like oh my god how could somebody ever do that we're like god it's it's another case of it you know right. there's nothing there's nothing that we haven't seen and i think it's just it's, I mean, that's something that you can't get away from either. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But I, that was just an interesting thing that was swirling around in my head a lot. Yeah, that and was, I wanted that was to. actually a great little uh, combo. Yeah. Thank you. Thank do you, you guys agree? Hit us up on Twitter at hello and adieu. H-E-L-L-O-A-N-D-A-T-I-E-U. That was a D, not a T, right? Correct. Yeah. People should chime in with that discussion. If you say your pet, I'm going to come find you and I'm going to take your pet from you. find you. That's not true. I don't really care. No, I don't. I don't care either. But it is a fascinating discussion. I do want to see if people say their pet. Yeah. Moving on to the movie segment. This week, we watched Me and Earl and The Dying Girl. Yeah. That's one movie. It, it is one movie. <laughs> we didn't watch Me and then watch Earl and then watch The Dying Girl. It's it's a title. It's a trilogy. It's a title, guys. <laughs> it's a trilogy. <laughs> Um, as I said in my last or in our last episode, I've been asked to watch this movie for so long and I've just been putting it off and I watched it for the first time for this podcast. And, and it came out last year and it came out last year, came out last year. So I'll try to give a little synopsis synopsis. I can speak words. Uh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, <laughs> I'm not good at giving synopsis. Mathis is not very good at giving synopsis. So we're just going to try to do it together. This movie is about this, it pretty much follows Greg, who is the me, Earl, his friend, and the dying girl, who is, I already forgot her name, Rachel. Oh, God. It's Rachel. Yeah. Rachel! Rachel! Um, <laughs> and so it follows pretty much these three teenagers, and er, er, Greg is kind of just this guy who's trying to just kind of skate past high school he's trying to make friends with every group mm -hmm. at a surface level to where he doesn't really have real friends besides earl and then he comes to find out that um his classmate rachel who his mom is friends with her mom that she has cancer and so greg's mom 
pretty much tells him that he needs to hang out with her because she has cancer. So he does <laughs> because Greg is just, you know, he's Greg. And Greg's really witty. He has a lot. He's really, he's intelligent, funny. Like he's really quick to come up yeah. with like. It's not always good though. Sometimes it's But it's terrible. good. You know what I mean? It's good though. It's a good in a bad way. Sometimes. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So pretty much then what ends up happening is Greg and Rachel start to have this incredible friendship um, yeah. while she's going through treatments. And it's almost a friendship that he did not intend to have. He intended to just go over that one day, kind of check it off the list and then go on with his life. And that's really what the movie follows. It follows Greg and Rachel and their friendship and her treatment through cancer. And then also him kind of maneuvering around his senior year of high school and what happens right. in the future and right they're all at the very end of high school and then earl's just kind of floating around i don't really know why he's in the the title because he's not he's in it but he's not a center so that's that was that's true that was the synopsis was that okay that was that was okay okay yeah. we both really liked it correct i know you I, really i'd go it. as far to say that i loved it you love you're like simon cowell on america's got talent he says i didn't yeah. like it i loved it yeah that's me yeah that's me um i did see this movie before i watched it on one of my long flights over the summer so i saw it on that really itty bitty tv on planes <laughs> and <laughs> they edited out all the swear words so i felt like which is I did so get to unfortunate see, it is and i did get to see the movie in its full and i really really liked it then but there was something missing from watching it like that so i'm glad i got to watch it again a second time well yeah for for one as far as watching it like two huge things missing out watching it on the plane is like the swearing in this movie is very well written uh but also the cinematography is like another level of it's really good like, yeah care as far as like sundance coming of age indie film feels like the cinematography is highly above anything else that i would have compared it to like walking into the movie i was those are I big remarks coming from back. you yeah and and let me say something i say something let me say something <laughs> i when i when i got about to the 45 minute mark i was like so into the movie that i was like i'm gonna start writing down things that i don't like because i'm watching it so closely now because i'm so into it that my my seriously critical eyes turned on where I was watching and I was thinking to myself, okay, this movie's really good and I want to I want to not just watch it and have a good time like read into it, like really dive into it. And so I started writing down these these few things that I was like I don't like this so much, I don't like that so much. But what's so weird is that the things that I didn't like slowly evolved through the movie and they validated themselves like wow. What's an example? example oh. <laughs> what's an example? I don't believe you. <laughs> I didn't say um, it like that. I just wanted to. No, no, wanted you didn't. An example. You didn't. You did. One thing was, I'm very tired of movies with narration right now. So I was like, I'm not really into the narration, but they did some fun things with it. Like for one, all of the subtitles, all of these super Wes Anderson yeah. subtitles that popped up, they were also the narration, like. They were subtitles from the essay slash book that Greg is writing through the movie. They they were like out of that that written work, and that was a fun way to to mess with narration. Plus, per per usual, films usually like they're that have heavy narration. They die off after the second half, after the first half. So that wasn't that wasn't as big of a worry. And I honestly can't even remember it bothering me now, like being on this side of finishing the movie. Movies about making movies, I'm very over that too. Like, mm -hmm. just it's just really popular right now, and th there hasn't been so much this year. But last year and the year before, I mean, there was there was so much. There was Birdman, there was Nightcrawler. Those are the only two that come to mind off the top of my head. But it was it was just so. It can be really pandering, and it doesn't mean that the movie's bad, but it's just, it's coming in a wave where there's a bunch of them. 
But this movie did something really special. I won't give any spoilers, but near the end, it really it really touched me that it was about making movies. It wasn't just like uh, something to make critics go, oh, ho, ho, whenever they watched it. Like, there is a lot of that in the movie. And as somebody like me, who is a big film buff, there was a lot of segments and jokes and puns and uh, visual gags where I went, oh, that's hilarious, because I've seen a lot of movies and because I know a lot about movies. But it, it goes above that. It's There's something that you can't put your hands around about making films and about sharing films and about watching films that this movie throws in there and is very powerful and it just it just really moved me there, and there was a there's a few other things when it was getting too montagey i was like i'm really tired of the montages at least in my own head that's that's a sundance trope to things from sundance i, I thought they did montage as well though they did where where the beginning I was like meh and then I was like they're doing these phenomenally well. One of my favorite ones, what Mathis was talking about, you know, with the subtext kind of he does like days so he would subtitles. do like subtitles. He would be like day thirty, the day blah 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 blah. Um, yeah. And so you know their friendship spans over I don't even know how many days it's well over a hundred so they kind of have whole school year. It's a whole school year so. They kind of yeah. have to do montages. Otherwise, we're going to sit and watch this super long movie about every day. Um, but the one that I really liked is when they were showing Greg going into Rachel's room like over and over yeah. again. But yeah, it was showing true. how he was saying, you know, sometimes she's really energetic and smiling when I come in. And sometimes she's really having a terrible day and she's just lying on the bed, you know, just mm-hmm. super depressed and you know, I just, I thought that was so powerful because I'm, I've, you know, I've never had to go through cancer treatment, but I'm sure there's very much ups and downs. You feel good. You feel terrible. And I thought that they did that so well. It was very powerful really to did. me. Like I thought I felt so bad for her. Um, and I just thought, I just thought it was, that was a montage done well, in my opinion. No. And, and like I was saying, even the things that I didn't like that the movie was changing my mind as it went. And I saw, you know, with with those elements that I talked about and with the plot, I was, when I first started it, I was like, this could easily become cliche. Like, I know what these movies look like. I know what happens. But the movie would just keep surprising me. And I was like, oh, my God, what a great choice. What a great decision. What a great scene. I didn't see that coming. Certain scenes would just switch. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this scene is not out of the books. This scene is new. This scene is fresh. I have to be paying attention because I did not know that this was about to happen. There was a lot of moments like that and there's just there's a ton of unpredictability to it and I think that it subverts that some that Sundance vibe a lot where it puts you in that place and then it says but that's not what happens. This happens. And then the scene changes really quickly. I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to give too many examples from it because there was some things that would be considered spoilery about it but um it really it really blew my mind and there is like a lot of absurdity to the movie at certain points like certain things that characters say or how they act but the the director is just between the directors and the actors they have made it so acceptable like certain things that they've said and certain things that they're doing in the movie like it's just it doesn't feel weird and it takes a certain confidence to do that stuff see that was one of the things that i didn't like about it I really? thought, yeah, because I, well, I thought funny. a lot of the characters and the situations were very exaggerated, almost to the point where it's like they were trying to be quirky, like what too quirky. They were trying to be like was trendy, a- quirky, mm-hmm. like with Nick Offerman's character. He's Greg's dad, you know, just like his whole persona, the clothes he wears. I was like, it's just it's trying too hard. And then like with Greg's yeah. teacher, John Bernthal. I just thought that was way over the top. It was right. super exaggerated. And like it all works in the movie, but you know, since I was watching it a second time, I could be more critical. And yeah. to me, it felt so exaggerated that it didn't quite work for me. Um, but I then looked up, and me and Matthews were kind of doing this together, whether or not it was a book. Um, and it was, and that makes sense to me because in books, characters are w- much more developed and they you can understand why they do those certain quirky things that they do. 
And then when you try to translate that to film, it sometimes just doesn't translate as well. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad film, but it just doesn't, you know, those character traits or flaws don't translate well. So that made sense to me. And I think that's why the exaggeration happened or why it seems like an exaggeration. What I thought, what was so funny, like when we were talking about this before the episode started was that I was watching it. And when I was getting closer to the end, I was thinking about other teen cancer movies and other (laughs) movies like this, for example, you know, the fault, the fault in our stars. And I was like, you see, the reason why this movie works is because it's original. It's not based on a book. And they totally just, they wrote this for the screen. I just, the whole time, I felt like they wrote it for the screen. And I was really surprised it was a book. I see where you're saying as far as it being a book. Like, I can see how those elements mm-hmm. really point to it. It being too quirky and too cutesy was one of my complaints, too. Whenever I was at, like, the hour mark, I was like, this is just, they're trying so hard. But it was another thing that just... Because it's kind of like half didn't... the characters were trying too hard and the other half were so great it was like there was such a dynamic like the like greg and rachel and even earl Mm -hmm. to a point you know they were they weren't really quirky weird at all and then like the other half of the ensemble were just like totally off in their own little world to me like even even earl and greg and even stuff that they did i was like this is just ridiculously quirky but yeah i don't know like one three directors I wrote down when I was watching it that I was like, yep, he's watched all of their work and he inspired it off. This was Wes Anderson, Zach Mm. Braff and Edgar Wright. I was like those like between garden state, Scott Pilgrim and like Rushmore or the Royal Tenenbaums. Like there is so much just like ridiculous people, extravagant situations, really silly dialogue which is good sometimes. Of, it's not always bad, you know. Well, this I I loved it here. It didn't it didn't hit me right away. Like the the film started me in that place. It, the film started feeling like a Wes Anderson movie, and then it it kind of pulled back and it kind of became something more to me. And and it's honestly it's one of the best films I've seen this year. Like yeah, it's super good. Like sh- it's straight up one of the best movies I've seen this year, and it probably lands somewhere, somewhere in my favorite movies list now. I, I was somewhere in the really, top fifty. I mean, John, no. I love I love the top fifty movies a lot, though. This is my favorite thing about you. <laughs> I I love all of those movies. I know you do. I I'm just love that. Where, what, I'm not going to say where the movie lands. I'm not going to say. I where love it that lands. you can say it's one of my favorite movies of all time but it doesn't fall in a top 50. I didn't say like, it was. I know. No, I, I know. But okay. You know what? It does fall. It's in the top 50. I just don't know where in the list it is. Like I, I haven't had enough time to process it, but the, the second hour just took me to a place. I was like, this is, this is so good. And it was so like, just the way that the characters are written, like the things that yeah. Greg is struggling with and the places where he's right and the places where he's dead wrong and all the places that he connects to the viewer. I was like, oh, that's so good. And it's not cookie cutter. It's not, it's not, um, ah, what's, what's the movie that I'm thinking of? I can't, can't place it right now, but it does not feel pandery in the quirky genre. It feels like like he's just having like the director's having fun being quirky because he yeah. thinks that it's necessary for like telling the story and it just ah, I just don't even know I the, and what really what really shook me was every time that the film stopped in its tracks for a certain scene all of those scenes were amazing like the scene when they're at the library and Rachel is watching Sockwork Orange and Greg walks in and he's like, I need to look through this entire college manual book. And she's like, you need to apply for college. And she's giving him the laptop and he's talking about what he's writing in his essay. And she steals the laptop back. And then he's handing her the book and she like goes back to watching the movie. Like it's captivating. That's the type of stuff that I want to make. You know, like I watched that scene and I was like, what? That was amazing. Every time that the movie just stopped and had a scene like that, were really just 
high marks. High they, ha- marks they have amazing chemistry. And that's one thing I really liked they about do. this movie is that it was based around a guy and a girl and their friendship. And they didn't make it like sexual at all. And I think that that's so mm-hmm. unique in our society because, you know, it's like we need that sexual tension in these movies. And granted, there was like another girl that like Earl kind there of is liked. Some, yeah. You know, there is that tension, but when it comes to like the core of the film and the friendship between this guy and girl, I'm so happy they didn't try to make it a relationship, but it was purely a friendship that really just turned into like this family love. But I think that's another great subversion of the movie where in the narration, Greg is like, I would be falling in love with her, but this isn't that story. That's like, we... They, they are showing us this movie and they know what we think these movies are like. Well, they're telling you they're, what to think as well. Exactly. Which Exactly. But I, it actually worked for me. Yeah. Does that, does that work for you in the movie? <clears throat> There's a few times it worked and one that like really makes me not happy, but I don't really want to say it because it really, it gives a spoiler. I um, think I, I think I'm on the same page as you, except it, I understood it afterwards. I want to just mention the writing real quick because... Like, coming back to that idea of the movie, I if I ever thought I had a scene figured out, it would go in a different direction. I think that, I think that it is sneakily, sneakily written because they are developing the plot as they go and you don't realize it. There was a lot of moments where I was like, oh my God, that was a plot point. And I didn't know it was going to be a plot point. And that's how all movies are supposed to be. But it's it's not something that you see all of the time, especially in... If if you only watch mainstream movies, you will you'll never see it because the movie is constantly getting back to the plot. Like, okay, now this guy has to get to this location and this has to happen. But this movie has this breath to it where a scene just happens and it's just a scene, like it's not progressing the plot at all. At least you don't think it is. And almost every scene I can think of off the top of my head came back near the end. And it was like that scene that you just thought was a hangout or you just thought was a this or a that that scene actually mattered. That scene said something about how this movie ends and who these people are. And I was like, oh, that's... I I haven't seen writing that sneaky in a long time. Yeah, it was really well written for the screen. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk about was there's a part in the film where Rachel has been going through treatments. And as I talked about in the montage, you know, she has her ups and her downs. And she finally comes to a point where she's in this dilemma between keeping on with the chemos when they're not working or to stop them and just kind of let time take its toll. And that's right. a huge moment for her, but also for Greg in the film. And it's so powerful and it's for a the great audience di- and in the audience, it's a huge dynamic. Yeah. But one thing it really made me think of is, and this kind of goes into a deeper topic beyond the movie. Is it selfish to stop treatments or is that your decision with your body as someone with cancer mm-hmm. is that your choice to say I am stopping treatments without thinking of how it's going to affect others. I guess I'll let you talk on that before I go on. Well, our I actually think that our ending topic for the podcast is going to tie really well into this too. So that'll be really fun. I didn't even think about how the movie had something to say about what we'll be talking about later, but personally, watching that scene that was another one of those scenes where the movie stopped and it just left you in this moment and i was just i was crushed watching it like i was i was bawling through that scene and i just could not look away and i i yelled at the screen (laughs) at one point i was like tell her greg yeah tell her because i was i was in greg's position exactly what he was telling her i was i was in greg's position where i was like i don't care what she thinks she's not of her right mind she needs to save herself even if even if she can't be convinced in that moment greg can never back down from that fight that was like where my heart was at in that scene i just so is that how you feel in general as well i th- i think it is like okay because i'm the opposite I, which is usual with us yeah which sounds about right <laughs> yeah i just and maybe this is just like the forces of the world like there has to be a left side and a right side like right i have to fight for her to live and she has to fight for what she wants you know exactly what I mean? right so i can't stop fighting but like like i said 
no matter what she decides to do in the movie, Greg has to have that fight because I I can never be the person who who will convince them to just give up and I don't I don't even mean give up as in like become a loser. I just mean like move on, like do whatever they want to do for their body for the rest of their life. She's going to do what she's going to do, but I have to do what I have to do. You know what I right. mean? Right. And that's why I think that scene is so powerful because Greg is exactly. speaking for the larger community of anyone that has ever had a relative that has dealt with cancer and has decided to stop treatment. He is speaking for everyone because even though I I know at least for me, that it is her decision to do what she wants. Obviously, your relatives want you to keep living. And so what I like about it is, even though the family is going to be upset because they want you to live, I think deep down they know that it's still their right to choose what they want to do. Um, But it's only, it's like a human, uh, it's our innate sense of just wanting someone to live that we're like, but you need to keep going on. But if we think of how of Rachel or making it bigger, all the other people with cancer, what, how they are feeling, you know, some people are going through years and years of treatments and sometimes they're just so tired of a fighting and B fighting when it's not working. And I think that's how it was for Rachel. It's like, why am I doing this when it's not even helping? And when she's in so much pain and she's, you know, just torn down mentally and I get mm-hmm. it. And I feel like if I were her, I would do the exact same thing. You know, it's it's not necessarily saying that I just because I'm stopping treatments, I'm going to die scientifically and probably medically. They say you will. But, you know, you're just kind of letting your life pan out without any, you know, medication or help. And I think that's a beautiful thing, honestly. I mean, we all go through life and end up dying. And so I think it's a beautiful thing to kind of let it go as it should and you know whatever happens happens i mean the the beautiful thing about the way this movie handles cancer is that it's it's just it really it just shows that life is hard and life just happens and it's like you work through it and things don't make sense like a lot of things don't make sense like in that scene it's i i I want her to fight in that moment i want her to to just give up and or not give up but like to just press in and fight but she doesn't know she doesn't know where the future's headed and she doesn't know like when things get better you know she doesn't know what next month looks like and that i mean that's just a comp it's a complicated issue where i the glory of that scene is that there's no like truth that is just overbearing and is and it's like that character's wrong that character's right right I kind of just want to lead into our our last topic. Lead in, my brother. Lead. I want to talk about wh- where you stand as an advice giver. What constitutes you giving advice or critique or um, wisdom or uh, anything to like curve someone else's decision making or behaviors? Where do you? This does play in really well. Uh huh. Wasn't I was right? Right right yeah um so like as as someone uh giving advice to another human being as as greg telling rachel you can't you can't stop the treatment where where does your credibility lie when you talk to people uh where where does your what experience do you have that you're bringing into that discussion and and what um what what about where you're personally from that you bring into that discussion what does it how does it affect what you're saying and how you're saying it i i we just want to talk about that we want to talk about um which on the surface doesn't seem like a huge topic but when you really get into like the knit nitty the knit the nitty gritty of it (laughs) it's really like it's a huge topic that i think is kind of one of those topics that kind of always looms in the back of our minds and we don't realize it's there Mm -hmm. until it's brought up. It's like something you've always known, but really had no words for. And I think this is one of those conversations. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a very philosophical, um, struggle as far as humans talking to humans, you know, humans, um, cause we're all advice givers, aren't happening. we? <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone thinks we're advice givers and we are essentially, I mean, we have to be, whether yeah. people give us advice or not, or whether people want it or not, I should say, you know, we give advice and it's, yeah, it's inevitable. It's what we do. Right. 
two things that we all are is advice givers and hypocrites, and that plays into this discussion. Reach. <laughs> yeah, we are all hypocrites, and that's the we are, and that's just what makes us human. And I think the sooner what, we accept that, the sooner we'll be more loving and caring towards others. The hard part about giving advice is is the hypocritical element because right. it doesn't the thing is is that it doesn't make things less true to say you should be doing something this way and to not be doing it that way or to have struggled with doing it that way in the past or um something closely related to it closely related in the sense of you shouldn't cheat on your math test and then you know saying back to the other person like well you shouldn't cheat on your wife you know like yeah not the same thing but it's the it's the same uh, essence so like even even that would be considered hypocritical like even if the person who didn't cheat on them is didn't cheat on a math test you know they could still be considered a hypocrite for something else that they were doing uh in their life but the thing to this discussion is that truth is is always truth and i want to walk through the the modes of persuasion uh, right now and these are like philosophical terms ethos pathos and logos which uh, all deal with uh, ethics so basically these are three different ways to appeal to people with an argument which is what we're talking about these are about giving arguments these are about advice wisdom critique so the first one is ethos which is the appeal to the authority which basically means like because of who I am saying this, you should accept my angle of the argument because of what I've done or because of my credibility. Because and I think of a good example of this one is um, therapists. You know, therapists have a lot of credentials. They have a lot of schooling. Right. It's their job to give advice. But probably a lot of times the therapist is not going to have experienced all of the things that you're coming to them for. And so you're you're going to exactly. them obviously looking for advice. So that's probably why you'll take their advice. But you know, they, the only credibility they have really is their profession. And well, and what's also really interesting whenever we talked about this previously, uh, a therapist is also an example of somebody who is speaking to problems and advice and um, not close to experiencing everything that the patients or the clients have done. It's they, it doesn't, doesn't take away from what they're saying right but doesn't make it less path- true exactly not it's it's it doesn't make it less true uh for example since a lot of this is very vague if a if a client comes in and says like i'm having a problem i'm cheating on my spouse the the therapist obviously knows that that's not the right thing to do and can and can talk about why it's not the right thing to do and can recommend not to do it and the therapist does not have to struggle with cheating on his or her spouse to to be able to say that. Going on to the next uh, appeal, it's pathos. And pathos is all about emotional appeals. So, John, you had that good example earlier about a, a pathos argument. And this also ties into me and Earl and the Dying Girl. So do you remember what it was? You can no, say it now. Well, you were talking about how, like, an intervention, basically. Oh, okay. Well, an em- <laughs> an emotional response is in, um, you know, say your brother is a heroin addict. And so he struggles so much with heroin that you and your family and a therapist and maybe a pastor or someone, you come together and you hold an intervention. Mm-hmm. You emotionally are saying it hurts us that you are hurting yourself. You're putting yourself into the conversation Um, which is something like therapists don't do, you know, they strictly are saying you like, this is about you when, and is this the ethos one? This is pathos where pathos Pathos is is saying, you know, this is how I am feeling and bringing that part into it. It hurts. It hurts my feelings when you, when you cheat on your spouse, it hurts my feelings when you cheat on your test. It hurts my feelings when you're, you know, ill tempered, which that that is what, that that's what we teach kids at my school is using I statements. That's how we teach them to solve problems with peers is using I statements. So it's like a really powerful method of um, conflict and resolving conflict by saying it because it's taking the 
blame off of the person and kind of putting it back on yourself. And so they feel less defensive. So you're saying, you know, it makes me sad that you are punching your friend, you know? So it's not saying like you need to stop punching your friend because you're an idiot. It's saying, you know, it's making me sad that you're doing that. And people tend to uh, care more when it's affecting others and others, you know, opinions are inside. Um, so those are the first two. And and I would consider ethos and pathos a little more sneaky in, in the sense of um, argu- arguments of convincing people of how to act or trying to get them to uh, go along with anything that you're saying. Logos is like the ultimate trump card to an argument, to uh, persuasion, because logos is is where logic comes from that's where the word logic comes from it is the it is the the logical appeal this uh, reminds me to, a lot of sherlock like the benedict cumberbatch sherlock where he's like really? strictly logic and he's gonna like tell you the logic of it like without any emotion without anything really behind it besides the fact that this is what it is and i'm just gonna say it, it means nothing to me really but this exactly. is how this is what science says this is what logic says and that's why you should think it. <laughs> and I, I say it's the trump card because let's use the example of the the kid for example. Like if you are a parent or a teacher and you say uh, you you really can't be hitting Billy, it's like okay, well that it's it's a parent or a teacher. Like they know what they're talking about. And if if you're another kid, and and that would be ethos. Just to recap, everybody, that's what ethos <laughs> is. If you're a if let's you're go back a to the kid, PowerPoint. and you you walk up to you walk up to this bully and you say it really hurts my feelings when you hit my friend billy you're using pathos and it takes them out of themselves you know it's like those um did you watch i think you actually brought it up to me last week the tony robbins documentary did you watch it i haven't watched it yet i will watch it i watched it and one thing that he did is he uses he uses language like he, he'll say the f word and he mm-hmm. says that he uses it for a purpose because when you use language like that it takes that person out of their routine and it really puts them in the moment because they're like oh like this person means business like and so that's how i felt when you said that statement that's what i thought oh of. i see i see yeah i mean tony robbins because, say, is like firing on oh all of these all of these appeals whenever he's speaking like he is and so like when you say like i'm sad you're really like bringing the person to the moment because you're taking them out of their routine of how they're thinking they're like oh like this isn't about me this is how this person's feeling but the last one would be logos so no matter who you are no matter what you've done no matter yeah i guess no matter who you are of what you've done or what you're doing you can tell the bully it's not okay to hit billy and that's that's the the harsh reality of this conversation. I I think that I think that a lot of times and we should be having this inner dialogue, but we struggle with can can we say these things? Is it is it rude? Is it out of place? Is it out of line? Like, well, I don't understand where they're coming from. Like for example, me and Earl and the dying girl, like I don't I don't know what it feels like to have cancer. I don't know uh how much pain she must be in. I don't right. know what the psychological effect is but it doesn't mean that you are wrong like whenever you when you bring in the principle of truth the principle of reason and i think a lot of it is just intent like i feel i feel like as humans we can feel the intent of what someone is trying to tell us Um, we can tell if they're trying to be aggressive about it or we can tell if it's coming from a place of sincerity I guess my whole thing with this conversation is that you don't need to know somebody's life to know that they're doing something and one thing wrong, right you know? one thing we learned about in a relationship class i took in i don't remember if it was college or graduate school but they said if you're really close to someone and um you know they're talking to you and you clearly see an opportunity to give advice that what you can do if you're close to this person like if you're it's your really good friend or your girlfriend or boyfriend what you can do is you can just say to them, is this something you want me to give advice to or just listen? Because a lot of the times people are just venting and you know, people do stuff and they just need to get off their chest and people don't always want people to tell them that they're doing it wrong because they know they're doing it wrong. Um, And this, 
was particularly talked about because a lot of times men in general, they're very much problem solvers. And so it was saying, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're in a relationship with someone and say your girlfriend or your wife is talking to you, sometimes your wife does not want you to solve all their problems. They just want someone to listen. It's a simple question and it puts, it gives, it puts the ball back in the other person's court. You know, you're not taking um, advantage of them. You're saying, here it is. If you want it, I can give it to you. If not, it's fine. We don't talk about it. Something else though, to add to this conversation that I heard Rob Bell say on his podcast when when you are critiquing somebody, whenever you are confronting somebody about their decisions or someone's doing it to you, we always need to be really, really careful not to be doing that from a place of correcting someone and seeing it in ourselves. Yes. Like, like trying to just hammer down on somebody with a <clears throat> detail or with a criticism like, oh, I, you always do this. I hate when you do this. Why are you like this? And even if we're not struggling with the same thing, doing it from a place of of also being flawed, you know, and, and just as a defense mechanism almost. Like, yeah, well, you're always doing this, and, and you're always doing that, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and just, like, railing off on people. We, it, it comes back to that, that Jesus line about the speck in someone's eye and the, the plank right. in another's eye. Like, we need to, we need to deal with, with our shit, and we can't we can't be projecting fixing someone else's life and and ignoring our shit you can't do that that's an, that's another one of those elements to me that comes into play you know along with intention and well i guess it is it is intention that goes under intention <laughs> but the, all those things that we were saying like uh knowing when you can give someone advice that's that's a huge step to it but yeah as far as the intention goes like one of the sub layers of that would be just know just know when you are ignoring the plank in your eye. Right. A lot of times when, when some, when someone is doing something that is upsetting us and our ego is like on the rails. Cause you're like, I want to, I want to say something. I want to do something. What I found, especially in myself, um, is that when you're giving advice in that type of mindset, like from the ego of yourself, you're exactly. essentially giving yourself advice, which I kind exactly. of love. Um, but it's not coming from a place. It's not coming from a great place from the, uh, when you're saying it to the other person, but in retrospect, if you can look back on times when you really didn't handle situations well, and you can see the advice that you gave someone, a lot of times Mm -hmm. you can look back and be like, I was really telling myself that, you know, and Mm -hmm. and consciously I didn't know it, but I knew that that is the advice I needed. And I was telling it to them. And I, some, I think that's powerful sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a thing that you see in a lot of movies. If you look for it, you will see in movies all of the time. People get to these really shattered states and they start railing against other people. It's, it's always at that state, that status, where they have lost all control. It's, and the reason why it works in movies and the reason why we come to those, to those moments a lot where we're like, oh my God, I was telling myself that when I told that person that like you were saying is coming back to that that one rule to this conversation one of two rules we're all hypocrites like and that's that's why these conversations they they don't always but they can very often come back to that moment where you're like I was telling myself that yeah I think we I think we hit it I think we hit it on the head and we sent it home so one of the things that you that you progress as as a person, you know, one of the things as you experience life more and as you evolve as a human is your discretion, you know, your spirit of discretion in in your mind and in your soul. And I think that uh, it's important to remember what it what it looks like to tell people truth, what it looks like to give advice, because sometimes it's an extremely harsh reality, you know, uh, but also it's important to know when you're allowed and when you're not allowed to say some things and a lot of times i feel like when you're allowed is not it does not always look like you're allowed to and i think that that's where like the higher level of discretion plays in whenever it's like i should not be speaking to this but nobody else is and it's the last straw and we're at the last moment so even if i don't feel like it right now i do and that i feel like is is the ultimate you know discretionary uh, skill level yeah anyways yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so let's wrap this let's wrap this present with a bow 
bowel constrictor. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for stopping by <laughs> for these conversations. Uh, make sure to be uh, tweeting at us for a few of these different things that have come up, like, or emailing us. I want to hear what other people have to say about the the role of a truth bearer mm-hmm. in another person's life. And I definitely want to hear what people have to say about the stranger versus the pet. Yes. I'm afraid I'm afraid of Gals. what you guys are going to say, but I'm It'll ready for it. It'll be fine. Yeah. John, wrap us up. What oh. can people do to contact us? Where All right, can they guys. Go? You can hit us up on our email. Hello and adieu at gmail.com. H-E-L-L-O-A-N-D-A-D-I-U at gmail.com. Or Twitter as always. H-E-L-L-O-A-N-D-A-D. Why am I saying that again? I don't know. <laughs> you can hit us up on tw- you can hit us up on Twitter at hello and adieu, or you can rate, subscribe, or review us on iTunes because that helps yes. people find us, and it's great when they do. It is great when they do. <laughs> thanks, thanks as always to listening. We'll we'll check back in with you guys. Well, both of us will check back in after I wrap my film. You can look yep. forward to that, and uh, you can check back in with John next week for more exciting, heady more exciting stuff. news. More exciting news Back on the Hello the Station the podcast. Okay, we need clear, clearly need to go. So, <laughs> I do, Mathis. I do. <laughs>